Friday night football for Luton Town this week as we make the long trip to Turf Moor to take on Burnley in a huge game. To preview it with me is the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. Uh, ready for a bit of Friday night football? Massive game. Absolutely massive. We'll preview it after this intro. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, and as I said before the intro, alongside me is the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe to look ahead to Burnley away at 7.45pm kickoff Friday night. If you've got tickets, or if you're yet to get tickets, I think tickets are still available if you want to go, um, then obviously you'll be there. If you're not, TNT Sports is the place to watch this game. Obviously a short notice turnaround, so do note Friday night, not Monday night for this game. James, I'm going to ask you if this is a must-win game of football, not because I particularly care if it's a must-win game of football or not, but the last time I asked you if it was a must-win game of football was at Sheffield United and we won the thing. So is it a must-win game of football? Yes, it is. But I think it's more a must-win for Burnley because they will get cut adrift if not, because Luton have got a game in hand. They've got points on them. I think that they have to win. So Luton potentially could go up there, get a draw, come back home, decent result. Want to win, obviously, because it really separates the, the um, Luton from those two teams and then <clears throat> puts us in good stead for when that game in hand comes along. But... Uh, I think it's the pressure is all on Burnley. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't disagree with that. Um, however, with it being moved from Monday to Friday, we're now the first team to play down at the bottom. Whereas if we played on the Monday, Everton would have had first dibs on us on the Sunday and potentially the chance to put the pressure on us on the Monday. Now we've got the chance to put the pressure on Everton by playing on Friday night. By the time Everton play on Sunday afternoon, they could be back in the bottom three. And they haven't exactly pulled up many trees recent, recently, Everton. And obviously Dominic Calvert-Lewin potentially still suspended if that red card uh, in the cup holds up. Um, so were we to win the game, getting out of the bottom three, putting the pressure on Everton would be massive. Obviously a draw is not enough because Everton have got us on the goal difference situation. So we're getting to that kind of stage where playing first and putting the pressure and, and the ball in the other court is uh, is important and we've got a chance to do that here. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge game, obviously, for all the ramifications that it leads us to in the, in the relegation battle and, um, you know, also because they got a win at the Kenny earlier in the season when they didn't deserve to. Um, great strike, don't get me wrong, but... Um, we all felt really hard done by those. The only real game this season where we've been pr probably quite gutted about it um, because the, the performance against such a close rival in the league warranted a lot more. But 
so there's that angle to it. So a bit of revenge on there um, uh, at the Andrus Townsend situation, um, which, which we'll, we'll come on to. We'll, we'll come on to. Um, you know, also Luton haven't gone up there and won for 23 years now. I mean, albeit they've not played each other that many times. <laughs> they've not played that many times since uh, the year 2000. But in every game since that season where Luton won, the 99-2000 season, the pattern has been Burnley win at the Kenny and Luton draw at Turf Moor. And that's been the pattern the whole way through. So, um, yeah, a draw looks like it. Fair enough. Uh, the poster behind us didn't seem to enjoy that particularly um, much because it's just come up at the corners, but <laughs> we will carry on as professionals regardless of that. Um, yeah, that night at the Kenny, that, I mean, it wasn't the only time we've left the Kenny gutted because obviously we were gutted when Liverpool scored an equaliser and we were gutted when Arsenal scored the winner, but it was the only time that 48, 72 hours on, you're still gutted. You shrugged off the Arsenal and the Liverpool ones because it's Arsenal and Liverpool. Um but for 90 seconds of that game, there was only going to be one winner of it. We would just equalised. We got eight minutes or whatever it was, and we knew we were going to get another five, six, seven minutes of injury time to go and score the winner. And, you know, it was the Alamo at that point, wasn't it? That's the second corner of the poster that's gone up. <laughs> if the poster's dropped off by the end of this, it's nothing to do with what we're talking about, I'm sure. It's just freezing cold in this room. Um and then that sucker punch came. Um, it, I mean, it was a fantastic strike, but we said it at the time, you don't let him cut in. And I mean, even when you let him cut in, to be fair, you don't expect him to pick the top bin out like that. But I think the feeling that everyone had that night will kind of carry us on Friday. Yeah, I, th- I think it's got a really, um, you know, also that the, the FA Cup game really was a much ado about nothing and everybody was a bit disappointed by that. Um, not to the same degree uh, at all, but um, considering the performances have been such high intensity um, and obviously you've got those two wins over Christmas and deserved to get something out of the Chelsea game. You can, you can take that, if you can bounce that form into this Burnley game, then it, it just it's just a very mouthwatering prospect, really. I don't. It, it feels like more this one more than any of those other times that I mentioned, which is only just a handful. There's there's points here for Luton, three of them, but you know, still, Luton I think got the upper hand where Bolton, um, Burnley, they really have to win this game, and that could play into Luton's hands. Yep. You mentioned our record at Turf Moor. It's not fantastic, but we didn't lose there last season when they were this all-conquering um, side in the championship, albeit it was the first home game, our first away game of the season. Dan Potts earned me a tidy sum scoring first <laughs> that day. Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be around to do it on Friday night. But if his replacements along the back line want to um, score first, I'll be more than happy uh, for that to happen. Um, we've kicked on since the championship. They've not... There's been an awful lot of criticism about the fact that they've not changed, hasn't there? Uh, but I suspect they are changing recently. They've start, started conceding fewer goals. Uh, it's come at a detriment to the goals that they score as well, actually. They don't score as many goals. I watched them in the Cup on Friday night. Probably, I mean, they missed an absolute sit-out. Dooney uh, had a great chance. I think the lines were flagged, but he wasn't offside. And then he missed a back heel in injury time when the keeper went up. But you you look at the goal scoring of this Burnley side. They don't score many goals. 
which is weird really when you think how much of the ball they have, that they don't score many goals. Um, I think we edge them on the goal scored, don't we? And I think we concede slightly fewer than those, although the goals against statistic neither would be particularly happy with. Um, but yeah, they've not really, I wouldn't say they're a worse side than they were in the championship because obviously they're up against much better players. But I think we've, the level of our improvement appears to be greater than the level of their improvement from the same time. It does. I mean, I watched a few Burnley podcasts and read a few articles in the build up to this and they do seem to be changing. They've come to the, I think they've slightly come to the realisation they just can't play the way they did in the championship and try and get results here. So it's slightly changing the way they're playing. And like you say, they're conceding less goals, um, which will make it a tight affair. But um, yeah, it's fag paper stuff, but Luton, um, when you average it out of the season, are scoring 1.26 goals a game and they're scoring one. And um, we're conceding, both both teams conceding two, but they're conceding 2.05 <laughs> stats for you, isn't it? But um, yeah, so Luton are shading it. That obviously is reflected in the, the league table as well. And they've only got three points at home and that was beating or thumping Sheffield United really. So um Ten man Sheffield United. Yeah, exactly. So um you know it's looking it's looking like like I say, this is the this is the time that we could go up there and, and get something. And if if Luton can get it, if they can get three points, even a a, a point would be reasonable. It's gonna really, really kick start twenty twenty four. Yeah, I mean, we finished 2023 by saying that if we can win sort of six more home games, that gets us on to 33. So you're literally looking at individual points away from home. So a point here wouldn't be a bad result by any stretch of the imagination. Obviously, you've got to win those six home games, but I think we're confident that there's six teams coming down here that we can uh, that we can beat. Let's look at this Burnley side in a wee bit more detail then. Um, you only have to go back to the Kenilworth Road meeting to find out the danger man, because I thought Lyle Foster was particularly good that night. Um He's had his issues since then, hasn't he? He's had a spell out of the game uh, with mental health issues, which is why he's not gone to the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, he was due to play for South Africa, but they've not called him up. However, he is still allowed to play for Burnley uh, during um, the Africa Cup of Nations, which obviously begins uh, on Saturday night. We're going to have to keep an awful lot better um, control of him than we did uh, in the first game, particularly when he makes those runs through the middle, either stop the pass or go with him. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a danger. There is a chance, as we record tonight, that he may not be available because he uh, went off of a foot injury in that game against Spurs. Um, and this Charlie Taylor is another player that they, there's a doubt with, but I think Foster's really more the danger man. He scored four Premier League goals in 11 Premier League starts, which is pretty good considering we just talked about they don't score many goals so if he isn't available that would be a boost as well because you know we've scored um, in the other game didn't he so uh, yeah he is a danger um, hopefully Luke could keep him quiet if he's playing but 
I'd, I'd much rather if he couldn't play at all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If I don't see his name on the team sheet on Friday night, happy days. Uh, yeah, James is right. We are obviously recording this well in advance, probably a bit more in advance than what we normally would do just because the turnaround time, the fact it's Friday night and everything's come forward, things like that. So um, one or two pieces of the team news that we'll discuss could be different by the time you watch or listen to this, but you get the kind of general feel of where we're coming from obviously if Lyle Taylor is out it would probably be Jay Rodriguez who would play through the middle I think he scored twice against Sheffield United I mean it, to be fair I'm surprised Sheffield United didn't score for them that day um, they seem to seem to do uh, an awful lot of that I'm not too worried about him we've played against him quite a few times coming through the leagues and things I would be more worried about the fella alongside him Zeki Amdouni who at Kenilworth Road was another one of these that loved the feel of the Kenilworth Road turf because he was rolling around on it <laughs> quite an awful lot, but uh, it seems to have improved since then. Um, I think he's a Swiss international, actually, and uh, another one that we need to keep an eye on. Actually, probably need to keep an eye on him more than Foster because he has pot shots from here, there and absolutely everywhere. And as we saw in the first game, if you let someone shoot, you don't know where it's going to end up. Yeah, he looks he looks a dangerous player uh, in attack. Certainly, uh, running with the ball um, at his feet, he looks a dangerous player. Um, but I think more and more, I think Luton are being able to deal with that a lot more. With particularly with Gabe and Ted and Mengi um, now coming to the fore, who um, you know before the Bolton game, Rob Edwards was rightly I thought calling him a revelation this season. He has been, hasn't he? Because he doesn't look out of place whatsoever and um, at 21 years old and considering the issues Man United have got, blimey. <laughs> I don't know that I much of a revelation. He's worth about 100 million quid for the next three and a half weeks. Hello yes. Crystal Palace and hello Fulham. Yes, exactly. I mean, that, I mean that that's not going to happen, is it? Um, but yeah, nice one for trying and trying to... Maybe these are mind games. Maybe the Premier League mind games. I mean, they're trying to destabilise the relegation rival but that's not going to happen he's staying at Luton no bother with that but um, yeah I mean I think they've looked quite comfortable with that um, since they've been since they've been playing together um, and I think the one thing we don't want to do is um, which happened at the Kenny numerous times was leave so many spaces in the middle of the park they just they just bulldozed their way through. Sander Berger just had the freedom of it, really. And if you don't give them that, I fancy Luton's chances. They will obviously want to play football. That's their style. Um, even though I said they're sort of adapting a, a bit more to being harder to score against, which there's obviously challenges in that. But they will have a lot more of the ball. They they pass more than Luton. The stats bear it out. They've well over 100 passing more than Luton manage um, on average. Um, so I think the best bet, and Luton have done this against most teams or, or tried to, is just make it horrible and ugly in those areas. And then where Luton are superior to almost anyone is getting it out wide and getting the crosses in the box. Maybe not necessarily in conversions of them, but using the flanks to, to great effect. And um, I think that's probably a great way to tackle this one. They are harder to beat Burnley, but if you watch the cup game on Friday night, they do still take stupid risks on the edge of their box. I mean, the um, Spurs goal, Amdouni himself actually, tried to take someone on and um, 
uh, the, the Spurs defender um, didn't fall for it and got the ball and gave it to Porro and 25 yards into the top corner and thanks for coming and that's them out of the FA Cup. So they are going to still take risks. It's just in their DNA to do to do that. So um, that's a positive and we'll discuss how we can get at that shortly. But third sort of option for them and when they come to Kenworth Road, Luca Colliosho was really starting to um, thrive. He's out injured now. I think he's out for the rest of the season, which I thought at the time was a right touch for us. Obviously, I don't wish injury on anyone, but, you know, we've got to finish above Burnley to stay up this season. That's an absolute stone-cold certainty. Um, but Wilson Odebear, now I've never heard of this fella, but he's come into the side. He scored an absolute worldie against Fulham, top bins, and he scored another one against someone else in a home game um, as well he's got a shot on him this fella so we definitely whoever it is who plays right back and we'll come on to that um soon they need to make sure they keep him off of his right foot and show him down the line because we saw the reverse sort of mirror image of it in the home game we don't need a repeat of that no absolutely not it doesn't look like they've lost anything from the uh, you know the injury and then him coming in um Collier show and then him um, it doesn't look like they've lost anything at all he's he looks like he's really come out with the point to prove I think um, you know Burnley as a whole played fantastically well against Liverpool um, and obviously Aston Villa and, and just sort of came up um, short but um, you know everything that they did attacking wise was very quick and pacey um, and that you know, obviously is going to be a problem for anybody. I'm, you know, looting up and not going to be immune to that, but don't let it get to that stage. I think um, would, would would probably be the, the, the thing that you're going to look to do. But um, yeah, he's, um, it looks a decent find. <laughs> Keep him quiet at all costs, I think. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, I suppose the good thing is Burnley, like you say, they've only beat Sheffield United at home, which really doesn't count much this season so confidence even though they've performed well against Liverpool and against Aston Villa and to an extent against Tottenham in the cup confidence can't be particularly high because you only get confidence from winning games so we need to feed on the fact that they could be low on confidence it's another one of those games and we've said it so many times in podcasts the first goal in the Premier League's massive but it feels massive in this one yeah well I mean there could be a nervy factor as well because only getting three points at home all season will have its knock-on effect to the terraces as well. I mean, they'll obviously see it as a massive game and one that they, the onus would be on them to beat Luton. They would feel that that would be what they should be doing because of the way they played last season, you know, the, the recent, not so recent, last 20 years worth of worth of performances against Luton. They'll feel that and they'll demand that, I guess, um, not least because they know that they have to win the game. So, if Luton can really make it a little bit ugly in, uh, and, you know, frustrate the crowd, it could go both ways, can't it? It can frustrate the crowd, make the players nervy or the other way around. And then um, that's, you know, kind of part of the job done really, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's uh, that's a huge part. Let's bring it back on to Luton then. Um, we'll kind of reflect, from this from the Chelsea game really so when I ask if you see any changes to the starting lineup obviously there'll be one there's no Issa Kabore from the Chelsea game um but that Chelsea the team that started that Chelsea game was pretty much where we've got to in our kind of first 11 now that Tom's out for the foreseeable do you see any other changes to that um Chelsea team other than someone coming in for Kabore? 
Uh, no, no, not really. Um, we don't quite know the situation with Jacob Brown, do we? He wasn't even on the bench against um, Bolton at the weekend and no one, it didn't really come to light in because, you know, the focus was on the, the Jordan Clarks and the Tahith Chongs of this world. But so we're hopeful that Brown's okay and he was just literally given the afternoon off. Well, yeah, particularly because he does so much of the pressing work and if you're considering that um, Burnley like to play at the back and have a mistake in them, then you'd want him to be up there um, doing what he's done so well in the last month or so. Um, so, yeah, I don't know about whether he will even feature yet because it's too early in the week, but I think the only the only change would be whoever comes in for um, Kabore, wouldn't it? And, uh, you know, maybe I, I would imagine they've, that they're earmarking Ugbeni for that. After it wouldn't make much sense to play him there for 90 minutes when you have the chance to try whoever it is that's going to be there, it wouldn't make much sense to play him there for 90 minutes, particularly when Kabore they'd gone out of their way to keep Kabore here and then only put him on the bench for it not to be him. Mm. I don't think Ogbeni was particularly bad, was he? And obviously, he's got the pace to deal with this Odebear fellow as well, which would be, yeah, equally as helpful. So, I'd, I think I'd much rather that for this game than Doughty being over there and Giles. I'll come on to why in a second. But yeah, he didn't do nothing wrong against Bolton, did he, Chio? And he's he's got the pace to get up and down. And it's a role he's played for Rotherham quite a few times by all accounts. Yeah, he has. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm still not overly convinced he's totally shaken off this injury. He doesn't seem to be his explosive self, um, particularly more with the ball at his feet. I, I think he could probably match the guy for pace if if he's trying to chase him in a defensive capacity, but um, it doesn't, doesn't seem to have the same spark at the moment, really. Um, and, and, you know, when he was flying at the, earlier in the season, when he got into the side, we were talking about all he needs to do is have, you know, 20 to 30 yards of space behind the defender and knock it past and run. It doesn't seem to be there at the moment quite. Mm-hmm. Maybe the opportunities aren't there. People have seen that and they've, they've, they've tightened that up a bit, but... Um, yeah, I think is that I think that's probably the way they'll go for for that position. Maybe he saved it for this game. That'd be rather so. that'd be rather nice, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, the reason why I want Ogbeni or whoever it is not Doughty on that right hand side is because they've got Vitinho on their um, at right back. Now it was Connor Roberts when they came down here, wasn't it? But they've changed to Vitinho, and he's a he's a winger. He played against us as a winger, and everything I've seen him do, he's a winger defensively he doesn't look particularly great. I'm absolutely certain that Alfie can get at him down that side. I think Doughty's going to be a big person anyway because their set-piece record defensively is horrendous. It's You can't get away from the fact that, for a, considering they've got a world-class centre-back as their manager, one of the best centre-backs Premier League's ever seen, probably going to be in the top three or four Premier League centre-backs of all time. They cannot defend set-pieces this slide. doesn't help that their goalkeeper's like got ants in his pants every single time of cross comes near him but they cannot defend set pieces so Alf is going to be a massive player throughout the course of this game but I really do think in open play as well he'll get at this Vitinia fella down that right hand side or sorry down that our left hand side and um, yeah I don't want Doughty on the right Doughty on the left whoever on the right please yeah I know um, Edwards sees he can play both but I, he, he just doesn't seem as effective as when he plays on the left he's um, far more confident and direct when he plays 
on the left, you know, f- to my eyes. But what, however Luton have attacked again this season, the joy has always come down the flanks. A lot of the time left, but the right's um, been more useful since Kabore's, um come back from that international break, got a lot better. I know he had the mistake against Chelsea, but um, you can discount that. But in a forward capacity, it was a lot better. Um, You know, one thing that Luton, I mean, these teams are really quite closely matched in all the stats you you, you can find. But when it comes to aerial duels one, Luton have won like 200 or something like that than Burnley. So you get it down the wings and you get the ball in the box. They're by far and away the most direct at doing that in the, Premier League and they get more crosses in than nearly everybody else so um, that that's a weapon you, you've got to try and exploit that because that they will want to play f- football on the deck Luton can play that way two contrasting styles completely I was really excited to watch that in fact and how that plan, pans out but you know if Luton can get that right as well as the set piece delivery which we've seen which is also another big uh, part of their armory, then then it, it could be a really really exciting uh, night. Yeah, I mean we shouldn't forget we scored from a set piece there last year, um, and nothing's improved in terms of the defending of set pieces. And I do believe listening to the commentary on Friday night, it's Clive Tildesley who's one of the most researched commentators going around. He thinks that Jordan Bayer, their centre back, is out for a while. So if he's out for a while, he's definitely going to be out for this game seven days after that one. So if he's their better centre back and he's missing, definitely happy days. Now a lot of our our play this season comes down the left. But there'll be one man who hopes a lot of our play comes down our right in this game. Because Andros Townsend hasn't just got a point to prove because he signed a new contract. And he actually hasn't got a point to prove because he signed a new contract anyway. He fully deserves that new contract. But he's got a point or he'll feel a point to prove in this game. He won't come out and say it. He's professional. He's media trained. He knows this, the score not to rile up the opposition and everything. But I think I can say it for him. If there's one game this season, and of course he wants to win plenty of games this season, but if there's one that he's got ringed in fluorescent pen on his uh, calendar, it's Burnley away, isn't it, after the treatment of him? by Burnley in the summer, where by all accounts, he'd done the pre-season. He'd agreed a contract. He only went, he only had to sign it and he went in to sign it. And they basically ripped it up in front of his face and said, no, we're going with someone younger. That person who's younger was Osho, So fair enough. That's um, kind of worked out well for them, but he hasn't forgotten it. Has he? He's mentioned it a few times in interviews and things. And uh, we're waiting for that 30 yard ship pinger into the top corner, aren't we? <laughs> and I wonder if it's going to come on Friday night. Well, maybe he was getting his sights in uh, against Bolton in the FA Cup then, because he had a few that just just slightly went over. But yeah, it's um, if if ever you need, he don't, if you don't need motivation for many of these games. But if any, it, it was pretty poor. I mean, we don't know the, all the ins and outs. We just know that one side of it. But it is pretty poor to get to the stage where you're offering a player a contract and then ruling it out after, you know, at the very end of the summer, because he came to Luton in, what, October, didn't he? So um, he obviously had to start again in terms of trialling. Luton gave him a chance and, you know, everything he said since that about Luton giving him a chance and signing the new contract, 
um, speaks volumes about what he thinks about Luton, but the the adverse must be um, in effect as well against Burnley because you know you don't go on to national media and say that he was left in tears and devastated, thinking that his career was over after that after that move. So, um, on the one hand, you can you can understand why they go for youth, but so far down the line, it seems a bit cruel, really. And you know, if if it proves motiv- motivating, uh, all the better because uh, you know Andros has been fantastic since he's come and uh, he's been growing every game. He says he's got more to come. He's got more fitness to come. He's got more sharpness. Which, is, to be fair, may you know, I don't doubt that he has. He's been he was out since March twenty twenty two until he got that first appearance for Luton. A couple of months back, and he's been a Premier League player for his entire career. So, yeah, I mean, it's a really exciting prospect of where he can get to if if he's not quite hundred percent at the moment because he's one of the Luton's best performers. The irony being that Kolyosha is now out for the season with injury, and uh, they didn't take Townsend because of his injury record. Um, yeah, there probably is more to come from Townsend, isn't there? You only have to look at the progression of Ross Barkley with every game that he plays. I think all Luton fans be excited that there's lots to come from Townsend. Chicken feet might not be quite so excited because it means more of them are going to get consumed, <laughs> but, you know, each to their own and uh, and all of that. The other um, issue, I don't think it's an issue, actually. Talking point, maybe. Elijah or Morris through the middle? Elijah. It, it, it's I, I I don't know what it is. I don't think it's through lack of effort, but it's just not clicking for Morris. He's in one of those ruts of not ruts. He's in one of those periods that every striker goes through. Yeah. Just needs someone to spank a ball and hit him on his ass and fly in the corner or something, and then he's off and running again. Ironically, it was against this lot that Elijah caught fire, wasn't it? When uh, yeah. when he scored against uh, well, Burnley for for about. Five seconds, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I get your point. But it, it's you know, Morris is having an effect. He, he obviously came on and turned the game against Sheffield United, so you can't say that he's totally out of sorts. But he's a striker and he will want to score goals. And, he's, and Chelsea, for that matter, yes, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, we he, he gave near them until he gave um, Thiago Silva yeah. food for thought, absolutely. Um, uh, but you know, uh, Elijah's in, he's had far more goal opportunities he's scored more goals obviously but it's had far more goal opportunities been in the right place more than Morris has and I don't know whether that's a a symptom of what they're being asked to play when they're both when they're on the pitch Um, it didn't quite work when they were both on the pitch together against Bolton which is weird because it did the entire championship season they worked great together Um, uh, you know they've obviously been asked to play virtually a sort of a lone central striker role with two players either side them when they're in attack so it's not been the same this season they haven't had that partnership but yeah it's just I've struggled to think of a a time since the Everton goal where Morris has been in a really great position to score you could maybe say the Bolton header where Baxter saved it it was a got it on target and it was a, a reasonable save but Petrovic save against Chelsea as well, wasn't it? The header that Petrovic pushed onto the crossbar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but again, yeah, he yeah. did nothing wrong with that. It's just a world-class save from a very talented goalkeeper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think uh, 
you know, he did, he, he also got a knock as well, which is why he came off against Bolton. Um, but I, you know, after the Bolton game, Edwards wasn't too concerned about that. It was looking at a bit of stiffness, maybe cramp, sort of, they bit, thought, of, bit, of they, yeah. bit of cramp. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a shame for him because you'd like to, you'd like, you'd need him to get to 90 minutes in that game. You'd have thought, but um, it didn't quite happen. But yeah, even against Bolton, there weren't that many opportunities really for him to, he, he played really quite well in the first, first 20 minutes. Kind of played deeper, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's he almost did. behind. He's almost the link between Barkley and Elijah, wasn't he? Kind of, kind of like that Harry Kane when he comes deep and links the play up and things, didn't he? Done it was, it was more that sort of role than the out and out number nine. Yeah, and, and maybe it's it's that maybe if you just if if he's just the the, the target man and the goal scorer, maybe that's a little bit different. You, you know, we had these these sorts of discussions when. Uh, James Collins wasn't scoring and he was trying to do too much going out wide in positions he wasn't meant to. And then I think it was Nathan Jones at the time just told him not to do that and just stay within the six yard area of the central part of the pitch. And then the goal started coming, but I think that we're in a different world uh, in the Premier League where you've put, you have got to do a lot more really. And so maybe that aspect is slightly taking something away or it could just be that things are really clicking for Elijah in the in the vice versa way that it didn't last term, where you know Morris got twenty goals and Elijah didn't. Yeah, it's, it's football, isn't it? It's you know peaks and troughs and uh, everything like that. Yeah, it's Elijah for me. Um, I just think he presses better. I think he glides across the you know he, he just that natural athlete, isn't he? You know, the size of him and everything. He can press the the both the defenders with a lot less sort of, not effort, because he's still putting effort in, but he's not putting in as much energy into it. It looks effortless, yeah, it I does. say. It does, it does look effortless. and um, it, it has been a great uh, weapon for for Luton. That. It, it, it always has been. Remember when him and um, Alan Campbell really led that press so well when they were together. But um, he's, he's still doing it, and he, he, he runs and chases, and he, you know against Bolton he was doing it. Um, and it, it does look like he's found his feet really in this division and, you know, confidence is everything really, isn't it? It's it, it, after that Tottenham um, strike, uh, Tottenham game where he missed that sitter and all the horribleness that came after it, it to, to turn it around so, so well and be in those positions to score, you know, obviously probably could have had, Probably should have had one more at least. Um, obviously, that 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 uh, goal gets chalked off because of uh, the tragedy that happened to to Tom, and uh, I'm sure he won't be thinking about that whatsoever. But just shows you he's in those positions, doesn't it? Yeah, and he's um, shown that he's more of an aerial threat as well, hasn't he? Um, in recent times, and as we just alluded to, if they're pants from defending crosses and set pieces, again, Elijah would be a key man. Not that Morris wasn't. He had a couple of headers from corners, didn't he, against Bolton that goalkeeper got to before someone else would tap in. So, um, But yeah, I think Elijah for me, Bolton, Bolton away can be the one that Morris gets his mojo back, um, I think. And, and obviously, you know, they're going to go 2v2 in middle, aren't they? Barkley and Sambi is going to go up against Berger and another 
remains to be seen. Usually it's Josh Brownhill, isn't it? Um, you kind of fancy us to get the better of that sort of combination. And if we do, could unlock many a key to many a door. Well, certainly um, from the Burnley podcasts that I've listened to in the last week or so, Berger isn't being deployed in the same way he was when they came down to the Kenny, where he was having that freedom. He was playing more of a defensive mid position, which would be great because I don't want to see him marauding through the middle of the pitch again like he was, uh, particularly in that first half at at the Kenny. Um, So that would be useful. Uh, But, you know, Ross Ross Barkley's Ross Barkley's been the better player on the pitch than virtually every multi-million pound star that he's come up against in in midfield. So, um, I mean, even against Bolton, he had a pretty good game. wasn't to the to the heights of those games that he's played against Liverpool and City and Arsenal, but he, he was still pulling the strings where he, where he could. So. Um, <clears throat> You just fancy him against anyone, didn't you? You absolutely do, yeah. Somehow the Premier League found eight, eight players to nominate for their player of the month ahead of him. Now, if there were eight players in the Premier League better than Ross Barkley in December, yeah, I, nev- I never saw them. That is for uh, absolute sure. Okay, uh, that's the kind of preview of the match. As always, we'll finish this episode of the podcast with a score prediction. James has already told you it's going to be a draw. So uh, (laughs) I I assume your score prediction is going to have the same goals on both sides. Well, just going by the statistics, I'm trying to be a bit more methodical now. They both can see at least two two goals a game by the statistics, them slightly more. Um, uh, Luton have only drawn up there every single time that we've gone there since 2000 they need a win Luton would be reasonably happy with a draw I think I think it's nailed on I'm I'm going to say this with my head that I think it'll be two all <laughs> hoping that it's a win but I think it'll be two all Desmond for uh, James, I've no problem with a draw, but it's a bloody long way to go if it's nil-nil. So mm-hmm. especially if it's as bad as a nil-nil as what Sunday was, I can't be doing two of them in a week. I mean, the cl- uh, the clean sheet record of the two teams uh, doesn't suggest that that will be the case. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much encouraging me that I'm going to see some goals. And I think we're going to see three goals on um, Friday night because I think Luton are going to win 2-1. Um, yeah, I take on board everything that you've said. I just think we're going to score from a set piece or a crosser of some kind. I just can't believe that the quality that we put into the box from those dead ball situations. And it's not, I mean, we flagged Alfie. It's not just Alfie. Andros Townsend will do it on the other side. Ross Barkley can do it as well. I just, I don't remember a Luton team being so good at set pieces. Yeah, you're actually. No, you're right. Every time that they get one, there's a sense of anticipation about what may come and, I mean, rugby yeah. teams kind of play for certain sort of set piece situations, don't they? Whether if you're good at a scrum, you play for a scrum. If you're good at lineouts, you play. Luton tend to, you know, we're playing for corners now, aren't we? <laughs> and corners actually probably more likely to score than a penalty. It's just ridiculous how often it ends up in the back of the net when Alfie's putting a ball over from a corner. Yeah, it is really a great sight. It's exciting to see as well. I mean, it's not often that you see that particularly in the Premier League we've all seen they try to play these nice pretty patterns and that does 
work to a certain extent until you get to a team that just wants to defend deep against you and then it's not as great. I mean, even when Man City had loads of the ball at the Kenny and we remarked how it's they're incredible footballers and they can do that so well. They're brilliant. It's also very boring. <laughs> Luton total opposite. Just hugely direct. Um, and there's very few better sights in football than, um, you know, a headed goal from a great cross. And there's going to be so many queuing up, you know, the three centre, well, two centre-backs, because Amari stays back, doesn't he, Eli? And, um, yeah, if, they, if they're that bad at defending set-pieces, and they are, the statistics tell you that they are, then I think Luton will score from one of them. And I'd be surprised if we don't score in open play. If they keep on taking risks at the back, we've got Elijah there pressing. Andros Townsend's getting about and pressing quite well these days. And, of course, any second balls that are doing the rounds, Ross Barkley's all over, isn't he, like, German measles. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think we'll score a couple of goals. And, uh, I mean, if we can take the lead, we saw it out pretty well at Everton, didn't we? We saw it out against Crystal Palace when um, we had another half a day to defend in injury time. <laughs> saw it out very well against Newcastle. No problem at all. And once we took the lead against Sheffield United, saw that out very well as well. So, generally, when we're in front, we've learned. Haven't we? We've learned from that Arsenal and that Liverpool game and probably didn't even have to learn because Luis Diaz is £100 million player, Declan Rice £100 million player. That's all the difference was. It wasn't necessarily learning. So I think if we get our noses in front, coupled with the fact that they have to win or the perception is that they have to win and the crowd might turn on them and everything else, I think we'll see it through. I really do. I think very similar to the Sheffield United game, I think there will be goals. You've just spoken about the clean sheet record or the lack of it. Although, ironically, Krull's matched um, Kaminsky in a lot less games, hasn't he? Although Kaminsky's never been that underworked before. Um, Yeah, so I think there'll be goals. Just got a feeling that we'll win the game. Everyone that you've spoken to said said how big a game it is, didn't they? Jordan Mm. Clark said that this is a big game and they're not hiding from it. Sometimes teams go into these big games, they try and play it down, don't they? Almost scared to think how big it is. We don't do that. We kind of take it on the chin and sort of talk about it and accept the situation so that when we get to that situation, we kind of play with a little bit more, not freedom, but positivity, belief. I think there's a, a, a decent degree of good psychology in this Luton team. Yeah. And it we saw that in the preparation um, for the playoff final, partic- in particular, I'm just using that as a case in point and the, the way that they set up for penalties um, just in they weren't playing for penalties, but in the off chance that they did have to take them and the, they did everything. They they said they did for a week worth of practice from the way that you walk up to the ball, the way you put it down, the way you take your time, pick a spot, the way people stand on the sidelines and everything. The, the psychology was huge. And we saw what what penalty shoot that was um, back in back in May. So it's, I think that's, um, that if they can take that, and put it into games like this where they know it is huge. It's a massive game. Well, that all comes from the manager, doesn't it? And the manager's calm, he's humble, he's calculated, he installs belief and everything else. I mean, that Sheffield United game being the case in point, we didn't panic when we went 2-1 down, he just made his subs. Okay, they scored the goals for us, but who's to say that in the time that was left, we wouldn't have scored anyway because we were throwing everything at them. Whereas his predecessor, when you went a goal down... 
under Nathan Jones, we might as well have just opened the turnstiles and t- strolled off because yeah. the amount of times it turned around, it just didn't happen, particularly away from home. I have a lot more confidence that Rob Edwards has got the tools to do the job if we if we do fall behind. And I just, that set piece thing is just so enticing. So I, yeah, I think we'll win the game. I think we'll win the game 2-1. I wouldn't be against 2-2. Absolutely, I wouldn't. But if we can win and get above Everton, and then stick the telly on on Sunday and see what happens. Uh, I think they're at home to Aston Villa, aren't they? Come on, Villa. <laughs> and um, yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? When we, if we're reviewing this, we'll review this Sunday night, obviously, even though the game's on Friday. We both like to go out a bit on we're, Saturday, we're Saturday night, don't night. we? Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not giving up our Saturday nights just because the game's on a Friday. No, come on now. Let's be sensible. So hopefully when we review this on Sunday, Aston Villa have done a bit of a job and we're, we're celebrating a Luton win and uh, everyone will be happy. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, that would be the ideal situation, wouldn't it? But I think um, the 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 great the possibility for a, a, a decent result and then an excellent result, the odds are with Luton, aren't they? Really, I, 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 they just have to win their game. They have to win. That's it. And if they don't, it could be a huge thing for Luton in terms of springboard. Could be sort of a nail in the coffin for them, thinking, "Well, we're not going to do this." There's this stat, isn't there, that um, team, well, they, they're gone, aren't they? On the, based on yeah, this stat, the, the, every, every team that has lost fifteen games, fifteen of their first twenty games in the Premier League, all of them have been relegated. Um, there's only a handful of them. Um, it's like Derby, obviously, that points lowest record. Sheffield United and a couple of others, but Sunderland, I think. Um, yeah, but Luton aren't Luton aren't in that bracket. So if they can elevate themselves above it by virtue of a win, even a draw would be okay, but to keep them stuck in there, because they'll be targeting this as a, a game that they they should be winning to try and get themselves out of where they are. And if Luton don't let them, then um, yeah, who knows what it could be uh, for the rest of the season. And also if we win, they haven't got a cup game. So they're chewing on this for the better part of two and a half weeks because we've got this stupid winter break cobblers in the Premier League. This month, I mean, how you play seven games in December and decide to have a break in January, <laughs> I've no idea, but that's for another time and another day. Um, so, yeah, huge, huge game, not must win. Although for the purposes of the fact that we won a must win game at Sheffield United, we're <laughs> going to call it must win. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, 2-1 for me, 2-2 for James. Let us know your score predictions. Have to say, guys, you're about as bad at these score predictions <laughs> yeah. as what we are, to be fair. I yeah. mean, we couldn't have got the Bolton one any more wrong if we tried. We haven't read any of your score predictions out. None of them are completely correct. Exactly, yeah. Uh, possibly a slightly easier one here. I think the chances of goals in this one are pretty high. So uh, probably if you send all your nil-nil score results in, <laughs> uh, they'll be the ones that get read out. We will read out any correct ones after they get uh, Preview, sorry, in the review show, which, as I say, we will record on Sunday. As I said right at the start, if you're not going to the game, TNT Sports is the place for this one. 7.45 kickoff. It's a huge game. Uh, you definitely don't want to miss it. And if you can still get up there, do believe tickets are still available. And I think they will still be available when you watch um, this podcast. So if you can get a ticket, do so. The boys need all of our support on Friday night. It's, it's a pretty, pretty big one, this one. That's it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you to, well, all of you for watching or listening. Thanks to James for your company uh, and for previewing this game. 
Um, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, we're, we're closing in on a thousand YouTube subscribers. We would love to hit that by the end of the month. We've got a big giveaway planned when we hit that. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. It will benefit you. These podcasts are coming a bit more erratically over January because of the break and all the silly scheduling that goes along with it. So you'll find out exactly when it drops and you won't miss a single episode of the longest running Luton Town podcast, the only one to go from League Two to the Premier League. And it's three Premier League points that we so dearly hope we get on Friday night. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks to the Hightown Club for hosting the podcast, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for the intros and to Ed Smith Creative for the designs that you see on set. And also thanks to Jan, the president of the Scandinavian Hatters, for that scarf that James alluded to in a recent podcast. We're going to have that pride of place on the podcast throughout the rest of the season and beyond. We really, really appreciate that. Also, um, Ed, Ed Smith Creative, who did the the logo that we've got, he's a bit of a musician as well, and he's just released an EP called Born in Luton. So you can get that on Spotify. Check it out. I caught some of that on his Facebook and it's very, very good, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, big props to uh, Ed. Obviously, he used to work, I think he still does actually work um, for the club in a freelance capacity, yeah, doesn't does, he? does the programmes, that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, support for one of our own very much there. Uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, come on, you hatters. It's- Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're looking people.